Hi, you're listening to It Happened to Me, a rare disease and medical challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is how we adapt. That's the focus of It Happened to Me, which wants to help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, co-hosts Kathy Gildenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me, I'm not alone, and neither are you. We are excited to have on our podcast today a world-class doctor. Dr. Fumihiko Fumi Urano is a physician and medical researcher specializing in Wolfram syndrome which is characterized by juvenile onset diabetes, vision loss, and neurodegeneration. Dr. Urano is a professor of medicine and pathology and immunology, an attending physician at the Endocrinology Genetics Clinic, and currently holds the Samuel E. Schechter Endowed Professorship in Medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. I am personally thrilled to have Dr. Urano on It Happened to Me as he is my Wolfram Syndrome doctor. I am so lucky to have this world-class specialist following my case. Dr. Urano is a driving force in the study of Wolfram Syndrome and related disorders, including Wolfram-like disorders. As the director of the Wolfram Syndrome and Related Disorders Clinic and study at Washington University Medical Center, Dr. Urano has been leading the clinical, translational, and interventional studies of Wolfram Syndrome and Related Disorders. Dr. Urano's collaboration with colleagues at the Medical Center and around the world has allowed him to develop cutting edge treatments for this disease, including gene therapy and regenerative therapy. Dr. Irano, let's start at the beginning. What is Wolfram syndrome? Yes, so first of all, thank you, uh, Mrs. Gildenhorn and Glassman for uh, your kind introduction and thank you for inviting me to your fantastic podcast. So uh, let me start telling you about what is Wolfram syndrome. Is Wolfram syndrome is a rare genetic disorder characterized by juvenile onset diabetes, optic nerve atrophy, leading to low vision and neurodegeneration. This genetic disorder is caused by pathogenic changes in a single gene named WFS1. A single gene can cause mm. such havoc. Remarkable. Yes. So single gene change can cause this uh, very tough disorder. Mm. Well, I'd like to mention that my Wolfram journey began almost 20 years ago when I was diagnosed with what was thought to have been low tension glaucoma. And as I started exhibiting visual symptoms atypical of glaucoma, I ended up with a wonderful neuro-ophthalmologist and rare disease and genetic specialist who recognized these symptoms as possible 
Wolfram optic neuropathy. He then ordered the genetic testing that confirmed the diagnosis. Now, how does Wolfram or other rare diseases with eye issues generally present itself like this or in a different way? So the typical onset of visual loss in the first or second decade of life. Although most patients cannot identify a precise onset of reduced acuity due to the gradual progression. So reduced acuity is usually the sign. And the visual acuity loss is commonly bilateral. So both eyes are affected and cannot be corrected by eyeglasses. So Kathy's presentation was actually normal. This is very typical. Although late in life, this was typical to have the vision loss. Right. And usually bilateral if it's genetic. I gotcha. Now, is vision a frequent indicator of rare and or genetic conditions? Yes. So vision problems can sometimes be signs of rare or genetic conditions. And some genetic conditions can cause issues with eye development, lead to retinal damage, or cause other eye problems. And these conditions might be related to metabolic issues, chromosomal abnormalities, or mitochondrial disorders. If someone has a vision problem that is linked to a genetic condition, it may be accompanied by other symptoms as well, such as maybe diabetes, or autism, or sometimes developmental delay. So it's always good to consult with a specialist, such as yeah. neuro-ophthalmologist, just like you did. Yes. Well, now, are there other common symptoms other than those just mentioned, or those are the key indicators? Right. So when a person has a genetic form of an eye condition, they may encounter more than just vision-related difficulties. Apart from the common symptoms, such as blurry vision or difficulty seeing in the dark, they may also experience issues such as frequent headaches or trouble focusing, which can be caused by eye strain as the Mm -hmm. eyes work harder to achieve clear vision. Additionally, they may face problems with coordination or balance Actually, that's seen in patients with Wolfram. And in some cases, the person may even have developmental delays or learning difficulties, as certain genetic conditions that affect the eyes can also impact other areas of the body or brain. Mm -hmm. So it's crucial for individuals experiencing these symptoms to seek guidance and management from a specialist such as neurologist, and a neuro-ophthalmologist. Well, certainly, doctor, at the very least, if you're having an eye condition, you should see an ophthalmologist. So important that as an adult, but also that our children should see ophthalmologists. Sure. And Um, usually, if an ophthalmologist finds something unusual, the patient is usually referred to a neuro-ophthalmologist who is specialized in, you know, usually genetic conditions. That's what initially 20 years ago, that was my journey from my ophthalmologist to a neuro-ophthalmologist. Very important. Very important. But you've got to take that first step. If you're having trouble seeing, don't pretend that it's not happening. 
it's happening and do something about it. Sometimes, doctor, don't you find people don't want to recognize when something is going wrong. They pretend. How is Wolfram syndrome's diagnosed? Yes. So it is typically a neuro-ophthalmologist who diagnoses patients with Wolfram syndrome. The first, however, the first signs of the syndrome appear around age six when patients develop diabetes mellitus, not their eye issues. So diabetes mellitus is usually the first manifestation the first. of the disease, not all the patients, but usually. However- Doctor, is that the same as juvenile diabetes? Is that what we would know as juvenile diabetes? That's a great question. So when we say juvenile diabetes, it usually means type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is a medical condition, diabetes caused by autoimmune responses. Autoimmune responses means our body, our immune system should not attack our own cells. But in type right. 1 diabetes, our immune system attacks insulin-producing beta cells in the pancreas, then patients lose the ability to produce insulin from their own pancreas, then they become diabetic. And that's a, that's a major mechanism of juvenile onset diabetes. It's also known as type 1 diabetes. But your question is really fantastic. The reason is diabetes in patients with Wolfram syndrome is not type 1 diabetes. Although it often, it usually happens in kids. So Wolfram patients are often misdiagnosed as having type 1 diabetes, despite lacking the blood markers typically seen in type 1 diabetes. These are all mm. antibodies. So that's a fantastic question. So Wolfram patients develop diabetes mellitus first at around age 6, and it's a juvenile onset diabetes, but it's not type 1 diabetes. It's not the same. Okay. It's not the same. That's a fantastic <laughs> I question. I see. Yes. I see. Well, easy to make that confuse. It's, it's confusing, but both of which are need medical attention, and both oh, sure. of which I'm sure require uh, diet changes. Or insulin say? treatment. Or, <laughs> or insulin, insulin treatment. Insulin treatment. I see. All right. right. Both very serious. Very serious. Both very serious. Both very yes. serious. But the, okay. these are different. And then around age 11, so around age 6, they develop diabetes. Yes. And around age 11, patients with Wolfram experience eye problems, such as difficulty seeing at night and the challenges in seeing the whiteboard or blackboard at school. That's very typical. Very then typical. ophthalmologist or optometrist may examine them. Now, usually they go to ophthalmologist or optometrist. Then they examine them. Then these doctors discover a pale optic disc in the back of their eyes. That's a sign of optic nerve atrophy. And that, that's extremely rare in kids. Then the patient is referred to a neuro-ophthalmologist who usually sets up genetic testing for genetic forms of optic nerve atrophy, then this genetic testing identifies pathogenic changes in the WFS1 gene, leading to the diagnosis of Wolfram syndrome. So what's interesting is the first manifestation is diabetes, diabetes. but they are usually not diagnosed as Wolfram by 
their endocrinologist. However, mm. later on, they develop eye problems. Then they are referred to neuro-ophthalmologist. Then a neuro-ophthalmologist sets up genetic testing, making a diagnosis. Hmm. Dr. Urano, you're talking about a gap of some years here. Has a patient lost time if the, the diabetes is misdiagnosed and it's not the condition is not picked up until the eye condition is seen? So you're talking about some five years, possibly, of misdiagnosis and no treatment. Yes, that's correct. So they are misdiagnosed and they lose five years. However, yeah. at the moment, there is no treatment that can stop the progression of Wolfram syndrome. So sadly, right. sadly, this is a, it's a, a misdiagnosis with no treatment, but there is no treatment. There is no which treatment. We hope will change. That's what we are. We hope. That's what you're and about. And that's happening. Yes, that's yes. happening right now. So besides genetic testing, are there other ways to diagnose um, Wolfram? Yes. So that's a great question. So it's worth noting that there are two types of diagnostic criteria for Wolfram syndrome, clinical diagnostic criteria and genetic diagnostic criteria. So clinical diagnostic criteria for Wolfram syndrome is early onset antibody-negative diabetes, and early-onset optic nerve atrophy, usually before age 16. So before age 16, if they develop, develop both antibody-negative diabetes, which is not type 1, and also optic nerve atrophy, they are clinically diagnosed as Wolfram syndrome. So by closely monitoring the patient's clinical course, we can also make a correct diagnosis. Wow. You know, Dr. Urano, all I can say is the folks that have Wolfram syndrome mm -hmm. are very lucky that you went into this field. Do you mind telling us how <laughs> you got involved with this very, very rare disease? So there was a serendipity about this. Yeah. So as a young doctor, I had planned to specialize in cancer because my late father was a hematologist and a oh. hematopathologist. And my mom, who is a pediatrician, and she was oh. taking care of kids with leukemia until I was born. So, oh. And so I was always interested in uh, becoming an oncologist. However, fate had other plans for me. So uh, during my clinical training, I was part of the team that diagnosed a rare form of cancer in a 17-year-old boy. Aww. And thanks to newly developed genetic testing, I was able to accurately identify the type of cancer he had. It was a very mm. rare form of cancer called PNET. Mm. And after being given the opportunity to present his case at the grand rounds in front of other doctors, the patient was escorted from the ward to the conference room on a wheelchair. So the nurse took him to the conference room. And then during the conference, other doctors asked him some questions. And before he was taken back to the ward, he smiled at me 
in a way that struck me as memorable. He smiled at、oh. me, although he was so sick.、Oh. And sadly, several months later, he passed away. No chemotherapy worked out for him. Oh, my. And, oh, my. Yeah, that was. And that smile was the beginning of your career. Yes, that smile was the beginning of my career. I、oh. still remember that. Oh, it's a beautiful story, Doctor. It is a wonderful story. And, and it was around that time that I realized I needed to understand the mechanisms of cancer to improve my ability to help patients. So I was fortunate enough to receive a fellowship at NYU to study the molecular mechanisms of cancer, where I accidentally discovered a causative gene for Wolfram syndrome that was involved in cell stress response. Which is strongly activated in cancer cells. So, what's interesting is that I was studying cancer, but I accidentally found the Wolfram gene.、Mm. And then I looked into literatures about Wolfram syndrome, and I became very interested in Wolfram syndrome. And I decided to devote my efforts to understanding the mechanisms of the Wolfram and developing novel therapies. As well as improving clinical care.、That、well, thank goodness. Thank Fascinating. Goodness, doctor,、yes. that is, it's a wonderful, wonderful tribute to this young man that you've devoted your life in the effort of trying to help and hopefully someday cure patients with Wolfram. Thank you.、Uh, how, how were you able to identify Wolfram like conditions? So many Wolfram. Symptoms before we go into the basic prognosis, and I'll ask is it different for the different types of Wolfram? But how were you able to find all the varieties and variants? So that's a really good question. The reason is I, I could find different variations of Wolfram syndrome and also WFS1 related disorders, also known as Wolfram like disease,、mm-hmm. by starting. The、uh, disease registry and also disease clinic. So, through the disease registry, Wolfram syndrome registry, I had a chance to know more than you know, 200 patients with Wolfram syndrome. Then I realized some patients look very different from typical Wolfram syndrome patients. Then I looked at Their genetic variants, gene variants in these patients, then these variants are a little different from Wolf, typical Wolfram syndrome patients.、Hmm. So, the disease registry, as well as longitudinal study clinics, help me understand the different versions of Wolfram、um, syndrome. Wolfram syndrome. So, the two things I would like to emphasize Wolfram syndrome itself is. The、uh, spectrum of disorders. So,、mm-hmm. some patients have very mild manifestations, as you know, Kathy,、yes. and some patients have very severe manifestations, and you probably met some of them. And also, the, there are related disorders caused by Wolfram syndrome gene, WFS1 gene. And these patients have different manifestations. So, they don't have diabetes, but Sometimes they don't have diabetes, or、well, sometimes、yeah. they have very severe 
uh, neurological symptoms or development, developmental delay and the intellectual disabilities. So, mm. so how did I identify gene variants and variations in the disease? That's through the registry and also clinic. That's fabulous. Through hard research. And research. This so is hard yes. research. And yeah. what is the basic prognosis for patients with the syndrome and how do they cope and how different is it across the board of the spectrum? So that's also a really good question. You know, as we just talked about, the prognosis for patients with Wolfram syndrome can vary due to the conditions of spectrum of disorders, which can range from mild to severe. So I want to start from severe cases because that was highlighted probably 10, 20 years ago. And that's also highlighted in different websites. And many patients see that information, then get really scared. Mm -hmm. So in severe cases, patients deteriorate in their late 20s. So mm. they have multiple neurological issues. Then many patients die late 20s to early in their 30s. Oh, terrible. So oh. in the paper published around 20, 25 years ago, the paper said that the life expectancy could be around 30. Mm. And that's yeah. true for some patients. However, in majority of cases, they can live longer. And also patients who have a very mild form of the disease, their lifespan should be very similar to their one in general population. So it's, it's a spectrum of disorders. Some and patients- it's a spectrum could, of prognosis. I mean, that's correct. Yes, so spectrum wow. of prognosis. Okay. Is that's there a great a, question. Is there a treatment for Wolfram? maybe a cure coming in the near future. I have to ask, I'm personally invested in this. Yes, so right now, there is no known treatment to delay, stop, or reverse the progression of Wolfram syndrome. However, with careful clinical monitoring and supportive care, the suffering of patients can be alleviated and their quality of life can be improved. So what's important is, even though we don't have a treatment that can delay or stop the progression of the disease right now, by learning about the symptoms of the patients and learning more about patients through the clinic, we can find a way to manage patients better. That is important because we can then we can extend their lifespan a little bit. Mm. And then wow. we are actively developing safe and effective treatments for Wolfram syndrome. So we can buy some time by managing them well. Then mm. in parallel, we are developing cutting edge treatments and eventually we can cure the disease. Oh, absolutely. And on that That's note, what we hope. I want to I want to move to your research because it's so amazing. Tell us about your research and what's happening right now and what you hope to accomplish and what the prospects are. Yes. So so many exciting things are happening in the field mm. of Wolfram syndrome research. 
And our current focus is to stop the progression of the disease using oral medications. And at present, we have three potential oral medications, and one of which is in the clinical trial phase. So our team is collaborating with a biotech firm, Amirix, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and is conducting a clinical trial at Washington University Medical Center. And our trial is progressing pretty well. We also have two additional new drugs, and we hope to conduct clinical trials using these two medications. If there are any listeners who are interested in getting into one of your trials, how would they go about that? So the best first step is to enroll in our patient registry set up at the Washington University Medical Center. Washington University. Medical Center. Under your name, Dr. Urano, is it? It's under my name, and we have a website. We have a website approved by our medical center. Okay. And Dr. Urano, is there a link we can provide listeners with in our notes that can give them both information to the program and to the trials? Yes. So we have a link. So I will send you a link. I think you know the link. And I I would appreciate if you put the link on your website. Oh, that's going to help us recruit patients. So the first, first thing, if anyone, any of our listeners would like or know someone who has Wolfram that would like to be in a clinical trial is to sign up on the registry. That's step one. That's step one. Okay. And then does a doctor, do you need a doctor to promote you or what, what would you need after signing up for the registry? So after you signing up the registry, we contact you and we collect medical records and other information uh-huh. as a necessary okay. information. And okay. when an appropriate trial is available for, for a participant, we contact the participant. I see. Okay. So these trials are available, but to our listeners, just sign up. That's the very first step. And then you'll be contacted and you will need to supply your medical information and your doctor may help you with that, providing the information that Dr. Urano would need. Right. Very good. Well, that sounds very straightforward. Alternatively, uh, patients or people who know about patients can directly contact my nurse coordinator, Stacey Hurst. Her, her contact information is on our website. She's fantastic. And they uh-huh. can contact Stacey Hurst directly. Uh, there is a, her email address and her phone number uh, on the website. Very good. Well, thank you. That, that's gonna be very helpful, very helpful. So now what's on the horizon? What does the future look like for Wolfram? So the future is looking bright for patients with Wolfram syndrome for three main reasons. (laughs) So firstly, more and more doctors are becoming aware of this syndrome, resulting in earlier diagnosis. So I just Uh mentioned in the past, most patients were referred to us by a neuro-ophthalmologist. However, Because more doctors know about the disease, now Mm -hmm. pediatric endocrinologists set up genetic testing 
for their patients oh, with wow. their antibody negative type 1 diabetes. So we get more referrals from pediatric oh. endocrinologists or endocrinologists. And this is largely thanks to the efforts of patient organizations, such as Snow Foundation, you interviewed, and yeah. Eddie White Foundation, Unravel Wolfram Syndrome, led by Dr. Sarah Gladstone, you interviewed. Yes. We did. And Wolfram UK, Wolfram France, Wolfram Spain, I Hope Foundation, Wolfram Brazil. So many patient organizations help us raise awareness of Wolfram Syndrome. That's one. And secondly, there have been significant improvements in the clinical management of patients with Wolfram Syndrome, enabling them to lead better lives. Finally, with the emergence of cutting-edge treatments like gene therapy and regenerative mm -hmm. therapy, in addition to oral medications, there is renewed hope for patients with Wolfram syndrome to live a normal, healthy life. Well, wouldn't that be great? You know, Dr. Yorano, I have to say, uh, listening to you, I, I feel full of hope for patients with Wolfram syndrome. And I would imagine that people who are listening feel the same as I do and would like to contribute and help you further your goal. How could they, if they were so inclined to make a contribution, how so, can they do that? Yes, so I want them to visit our Wolfram Syndrome website and uh, it's wolframsyndrome.wustl.edu. I hope you can put the link on your website. We'll do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's plenty of information on our website. So patients or their family members or their friends could contact us. And then, you know, we can raise awareness or we can recruit patients to our studies. So I want you to visit our website. Excellent. Dr. Arano, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Is there any advice that you would like to share with our audience before we close out? Yes, so uh, finding a cure for a rare disease, including Wolfram syndrome, could also help lots of other people get better too. Yeah. This is what we believe can happen with research into Wolfram syndrome. I think Stephanie Snow Gable, head of the Snow Foundation, has the same idea. So by learning how to treat it, doctors might also discover new ways to help people with diabetes those who yes. have trouble seeing, and even those with certain brain diseases. So even though Wolfram syndrome is not common, it's rare, finding <laughs> a cure for Wolfram syndrome can be a big step towards helping many, many people with diabetes, eye problems, and people with neurodegeneration. That's why Very every disease, point. no matter how rare, is important to understand and yes. fight against. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well spoken and so incredibly knowledgeable. And thank you, Dr. Hirano. Thank you for being a guest on It Happened to Me Today. You've really helped to educate and enlighten our viewers about Wolfram syndrome and about rare disease and genetic diseases um, globally and how the research into Wolfram might, in fact, help a larger um, population. 
So thank you. Thank you. Such good luck in all the work you do and research. And thank you as a patient. <laughs> thank you, Mrs. Gildenholm. Thank you, Miss Glassman. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for what you do for all of us, sir. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact form on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app like Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenge community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. I'm Kira Deneen from DNA Today, and I serve as our executive producer and marketing lead. Amanda Andrioli is our associate producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you.